Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Freedom Caucus podcast. I'm your host, Jody Heiss, and we are honored to have you on board with us today. We have a fantastic program lined up for you today. We're going to be touching on social media and, in particular, the big tech's censorship of free speech. I'm sure you've been following this in uh, recent months. We've all seen glowing examples, uh, and many of you know people who have been the recipients of the censorship of big tech, but but we're dealing with platforms like Facebook and Twitter, uh, all, all these different type platforms like this, and I'm using the word platform specifically because as a so-called platform, they are not held accountable. There is no transparency. They are able to censor without any, uh, any consequences whatsoever. And here's the, the dangerous part of it. Most of the time, as we are coming more and more aware of, it is conservative speech that's being censored. So we're going to dive into that in the program today. What, what you've got is the Communications Decency Act, specifically Section 230 of that act, gives these platforms immunity. And what that means is that they are able to censor however they want to, and no one can, can retaliate. No one can sue them. No one can go after them. That is the dangerous part of what we're dealing with. So you have these Silicon Valley platforms literally with zero accountability, and they're not even accountable to their own customers because even their own customers don't understand the algorithms and the, the content removal practices that are in place. So today's program is going to dive into this, and we're honored to have you on board. And that brings us to our very, very special guest today, Lila Rose. She is the founder and president of Live Action, a major leading figure in the pro-life movement. She's certainly a veteran to the world of pro-life advocacy. Uh, she started Live Action uh, at the ripe old age of 15, and Lila, I, I do want to hear a, bit, a little bit more about that, but today, Lila is an international speaker. She's a writer. She's a podcast host, a human rights advocate, and certainly a hero of mine and has been for quite some time. Lila, thank you so much for joining us on the Freedom Caucus podcast. We're thrilled to have you. Thanks for having me, Congressman. Well, thanks for so much for all that you have done for so many years. And I do know we've got a lot of folks who are interested to know how live action ever got started. We've seen so many of the, uh, the, the videos that you, you guys have produced over the years. Absolutely stunning uh, what you've been able to accomplish. But you started this at 15 years of old. For our listeners, go back and uh, let's relive some of that. How did you ever get this thing started? Sure. Well, when I was a, I'm up from California, the Bay Area, San Jose, California, and, you know, when I was a young girl, I found out about abortion. I was reading a lot of books and just doing research, and I learned about the fact that there are, there have been 3,000 abortions a day in America, a million every year legally. And I was looking at images of fetal development and actually learning about the abortion procedure. These are human beings. There's no doubt about it. They have, in the first trimester when most abortion happens, the, they're, they're ending the life of children with beating hearts, with arms and legs that have already formed, beautiful little faces. These are children. And I was so moved, Congressman. I thought, I have to do something about this. This is our greatest human rights issue of our day. Because if we don't protect life, the right to life, 
we don't enjoy any other human rights. We can't enjoy life, liberty. We can't enjoy the pursuit of happiness, liberty, all of our other constitutional freedoms. And a society that, that turns against the weakest and most vulnerable children in the womb and turns mothers against their children is a very broken and dark society. So when I was a teenager, you know, I, was, I got involved in some volunteer work and I thought, I, I got to do something in California. I got to make a difference somehow. And I want to educate my peers, other students at the time, about what abortion is, about the harm to women, about development of, of babies in the womb. And so I just put together a club. And you know what I realized, you know, early on is, a little thing can make a big difference. You just got to get started. And that's what I did. I, I got started. We put together some programs to, to educate other students. And, you know, it's really taken off from there. And now we're a national organization leading the pro-life movement with digitally. I mean, we reach millions of people every week with pro-life content. We featured some of your advocacy, congressmen, and, and some of the great work being done in Congress on behalf of the unborn. But we are working every day to educate millions of people, especially young people, because when we educate, people change their hearts, people change their minds. People are making decisions for life and death, and they will choose life if they're given enough resources and education, and that's what we focus on. Well, to say that this has taken off is is a major understatement. I mean, you get you literally started in your parents' living room, and now you've got over two and a half million followers just on Facebook alone. And the investigative reporting that you do has really just been a game changer. Tell us a little bit about what, what, how, how the investigative reporting got started uh, and what you do specifically. I think probably many of our listeners have seen uh, many of your, your videos, but there perhaps are some who are not really familiar with live action. So when we talk about some of this investigative reporting how, how did that begin, and what have been some of the results of it? Absolutely. Well, you know, the media, as you know, and the Freedom Caucus knows, and everyone there, you're no strangers to the bias in the mainstream media. And it's not just the media that's pro-abortion, per se. It's also academia, it's Hollywood, it's the entire Democratic Party right now, which is a tragedy, is very pro-abortion. And so young people are being lied to about Planned Parenthood, the biggest abortion chain, about abortion, all these things. So when I was a college student, I started to do investigative reporting of abortion clinics because they are not touched. They are not regulated, especially in California and in many states. And nobody's the Los Angeles Times. They're not doing investigations of Planned Parenthood. You know, I went to UCLA in Los Angeles and it was not being reported on the many illegal activities happening babies that are born alive in abortion clinics and left to die, um, young girls who are sexual abuse victims who are taken to abortion clinics to get secret abortions. And we documented how abortion staff, like at Planned Parenthood, just covers up the abuse, the crime, even though they are mandated reporters on sexual abuse. That means they have to call police or child protective services. They don't. They're just selling abortions. So this, you know, and they all claim to be pro-women. They claim to be on behalf of women's health and nothing could be further from the truth. So our investigative reporting, I, I started it as a university student. Ten years later, I'm 31 now, we launched Live Action News and we are now one of the leading news reporters for the pro-life movement, not just here at home in, in the U.S., but globally, where we do investigative original news reporting on the abortion industry. And as you know, Congressman, because you've worked hard on this on this subject, Planned Parenthood, the biggest abortion chain, they're getting hundreds of millions of dollars a year from taxpayers, despite the fact that they're the biggest abortion chain, and despite the fact that they're committing lawless and, and, and abusive activities. So 
um, that work is ongoing. I know you're part of that work at the Freedom Caucus, but right. it is a it is a big problem and it deserves reporting. And that's a big part of what Live Action does. We change hearts and minds through educational videos and media, and we do reporting on the pro-life movement and the abortion industry. And so while we're here, where can people go to see some of these videos? Thank you. So on, we're all over social media. So live action on Facebook, on YouTube, live action films. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. But you can also visit our website at any point, liveaction.org. Liveaction.org has all of our investigative reports, our educational videos. I mean, just explaining what abortion is, the powerful personal stories of women who have chosen life. I mean, there's all kinds of great media and content on there to help educate yourself and those around you. And I encourage everyone to go check those out. They are absolutely spectacular. Now, Lila, you did mention we, we have these days an environment with the media. We're certainly seeing it with the, the just the national media as uh, the mainstream media, but also the social media right now, the attempts to silence any views that they disagree with is uh, becoming uh, well, problematic would be a, a massive understatement. It's actually becoming, in my opinion, unconstitutional what they are doing, literally silencing those who disagree with their liberal uh, views, whatever those views may be. But you personally, and live action, you guys have had a major battle with this, uh, specifically with, with Facebook, even earlier this month. Share with us a little bit about what happened. Of course. So, it, you know, the bigger you get, the more they attack you. And, you know, live action, myself, we have almost 4 million people following us online on different social media platforms. So we're the leader for the movement in pro-life education. And the tech companies do not like that, most of them, because many of these, of, of these companies, whether it's Google, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, uh, Twitter, many of them have a lot of far less staff and executives who work at these tech companies in Silicon Valley in California. They're very liberal. They're very, many of them are very pro-abortion. And so live action has been getting a lot of censorship, facing a lot of specific censorship of our content over the last several years, but it's getting worse and worse. Mm -hmm. And you just mentioned, Congressman, you mentioned Facebook and something especially egregious happened last month when Facebook hired basically two abortionists. They had this new fact-checking system, and they claimed to be fair. You know, Facebook, and they, what they, they testified before Congress, before you guys, and they said, hey, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, the head of Facebook, he says, we are not politically biased. We're not going to make decisions based on political bias. We're not going to discriminate because they want, they want to have protections of a platform. Platforms are supposed to be neutral, but they are not. And so what they did to live action is they have this new fact-checking system to prevent the spread of, they call it, fake news or false news. And they had two abortionists fact-check one of live action's videos, which was a pro-life doctor, <laughs> um, and a video right. of myself giving a speech. We're saying abortion is not a medical treatment. We're explaining why abortion, which is the direct and intentional killing of a baby, is not actually necessary to provide health care to women. And these abortionists are saying, it's not true, we need abortion. And so Facebook said, okay, live action pages with almost 3 million people are going to be penalized, and that would mean our content, our videos, our, our articles aren't going to reach the people following us anymore. They basically were trying to shut down our Facebook pages. Um, and so we fought it. Some folks from the Senate, on the Senate side, um, fought it. And Zuckerberg admitted, the Facebook CEO admitted in a meeting with Senator Josh Hawley, 
that it was a politically biased move by Facebook. He said, you know, it was a mistake. They took the, the violations off live action Facebook account. So thankfully, they, they took a step back. But here's the bad news, Congressman. That fact check from those abortionists is still on the Facebook fact checking partner website. So they're, they're kind of trying to have it both ways. They want to please the pro-abortion political people and, you know, basically institute political bias. But they want to pretend to Congress and the American people that they're still neutral. So it's an ongoing battle. I know it's complex what I just described, but at the same time, we are very being very vigilant at live action because what they control, what you see on your Facebook feed, what Google you know, controls, what you see in the search results, that can influence elections. It can influence public opinion. And so we're going to fight that fight to the bitter end because it is not it's not even true to their own standards. They claim that they're being they're neutral. And so we're we're showing that this action that they took is not neutral and we're we're fighting it. So what do you think the issue is? I mean, you have Zuckerberg making the comments, he, uh, admitting that they were wrong and yet nothing changes. And uh, listen, I've been in hearings on, on this issue myself on the oversight committee. And, you know, they always come in and they, they talk a good talk. But like you just described, at the end of the day, nothing ever seems to change. And what happens as a result is the First Amendment, the right of individuals to express in the public square what they believe, the issues that they're fighting for, and to do so uh, in good taste. I mean, we're not talking about bad stuff. We're talking about just simply pro-life positions that have been restricted, in your case, time and time again, uh, that, that you have experienced what needs to be done? I mean, somehow we've got to protect the free re, uh, free speech rights of individuals in the public square, and increasingly it is conservatives and conservative positions that are being censored. Uh, so do, do you have suggestions as to what needs to be done? Well, I think it's a great question a lot of people are asking, and I know Congress, you're asking it. What do we do as Congress? And I think there's two things. I first of all think that there needs to be a lot of public awareness and outcry about this. We need to demand that Facebook has integrity and transparency and that they're true to what they claim to be as a business, quite frankly. I mean, it's bad business. It's potentially even illegal business or business that's liable for, you know, lawsuits if you are lying to your customer about who you are and what you do. And Live Action's invested a lot of money and time in Facebook over the years to build this massive following because we were told, like everybody else, that they were not going to do shady business and be politically motivated and shutting down pro-life or other content they disagreed with. So I think that the pushback from the public is important. I think lawsuits can be important. Live Action is looking at legal options. But, you know, I think the second thing is a question of the law because, as you know, the Communications and Decency Act section, I think it's uh, 230, it basically is a protection umbrella that Facebook and some of these other tech companies use so that they can say we're a platform. That means we have all this content on all these people on our, on our systems, on our, on our Facebook, on our Google, whatever it is, but we are not responsible or liable for what is published, that so we're not a publisher. So they have the protections of like, like AT&T would have. They're not responsible for the phone calls that people make on their cell phones. But they, because they're a platform, they're a, they're a cell provider. Well, as you know, that legislation was drafted before we had Facebook. And now Facebook has 2 billion users. I mean, it's, it's huge. It's big, in some ways, it's bigger than, um, or at least it's as big and, and, and in some ways bigger, the whole internet world than, you know, traditional cell phone use or, 
other other older older forms of platforms. So then the question becomes for you, and I know this is something that Freedom Caucus is looking at and others, is, okay, do we change, do we have to amend the law to be more specific so that this protection does not extend to these tech companies that are doing shady business now? Um, and that is, I think, the question then that becomes a legal one that I, you know, I do hope Congress takes action because I think, I think that they have too many legal protections. They're being subsidized and protected by the law when they are doing stuff that could actually influence elections in a shady way. And that, that is just not acceptable. Well, it's not acceptable. And you bring up a, a, an excellent point, and I'm glad you uh, went down this path, because as a so-called platform, and again, I think it's important for folks to understand there's two options. There's a platform and there's a publisher. The publisher is the one who's responsible for the content of the news itself. They are they are publishing what people are listening to or reading or watching or whatever. The platform, on the other hand, is is a, a, a company that just says, look, we're not responsible for what's on there. We just provide a platform from which various news or whatever uh, is put forth to the public. And so you have Facebook and these other folks saying that they are a platform, but it's my contention that because they are censoring what content is going to be shared on their platform, they are in actuality, uh, actuality a publisher because they are dictating what people are, are able to hear and see and watch and whatever. And as you mentioned, two billion People, this is the first time that I know of in the history of the world that one company literally can t- determine what people are watching and seeing and taking in as news. That's that's frightening. And and so the, the protection that these companies have as a platform is that they cannot be sued. They have immunity, and I, I just believe that is something that needs to be changed completely. Uh, so thank you for bringing that up, Lila. Uh, one other thing before we close... You uh, have been uh, huge in the the whole arena of human rights as well. And the phrase, love them both, appears a lot on your social media. Talk to us a little bit about what that means and the role that that you play in the arena of human rights. Of course. Well, I am very passionate about this personally because as a woman, and I'm actually expecting my first baby, my husband and I, um, in December. Congratulations. And, you know, That's thank awesome. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, motherhood, women are so important. I mean, motherhood is so important. Women are so important. And I think, you know, the feminist movement in the, this country has actually, today's feminist movement, has done a big disservice because it's basically said abortion, killing a child in the womb, turning a woman against her own her own body, her own child's body, is somehow an act of empowerment. And, you know, that's something that we really work on educating around because it is not empowerment to take a human life. It can never be. And we should be supporting mothers. We should be celebrating mothers. We should be working to accommodate mothers and fathers and really valuing, not just economically valuing, but valuing culturally the role of mothers and fathers and the, and the importance and preciousness of children. So this is about human rights for the child, for the right to life, but it's also about the family. And that's something I think does not get enough encouragement and celebration in our culture. And I think that it's really a travesty how, again, the feminist movement and, and, and you know, the whole political parties, like the Democratic Party is completely pro-abortion. Their platform is abortion through all nine months. It's a tragedy. And the fact that that is 
upheld as a positive thing, I think is is completely offensive to to being a woman. So I, personally as a woman, and then of course from a human rights perspective, it's something we really focus on and we say, look, we can care for them both. We can love the mother and the child. We support adoption. We support other options for women. We support communities coming around side women to support them and uphold them. We support families. We support fatherhood. And these are the positive messages we're celebrating as we reject this evil that abortion is. Well, Lila Rose, I want to thank you so much for joining us on the Freedom Caucus podcast today and for all that you have done over the years is absolutely spectacular. You are a hero in the pro-life movement and beyond, and uh, we are just hats off to you. Keep the torch ablaze, and God bless you in all that he gives your hands to do. Thank you, Congressman. Keep up the good work. Will do. Listen, folks, that's all the time we have for this episode. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this program, which I know you did, please take time to rate us, uh, subscribe to the program, and review this podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. And always, for more Freedom Caucus content, you can follow us on Facebook.com slash Freedom Caucus and on Twitter at Freedom Caucus. Until next time, have a fantastic remainder of your day. We'll see you next time. 